It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Bears lost a heartbreaker to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And no Bears fan wants to watch a loss in any game. But what's really important coming out of this loss in particular is how well Justin Fields played, given where the Bears team stands at this stage in the season. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at Cox Sports One. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for some more Bears talk and make sure that you're subscribed to the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. On the show today, we recap the Bears' last-minute loss there to the Steelers. Someone so, coming so close with a potential game-winning field goal attempt. We'll get into some of that question of go for the Hail Mary or attempt a field goal a little bit later on. But, I mean, we're going to talk a lot about Justin Fields and his performance continuing to play well, despite maybe not the rest of the team playing up to his level, or at least the level of play that he played in this game. We'll kind of look at what he was able to do and some of the really impressive, important progress that we're seeing from the rookie quarterback. Then we'll touch base on his supporting cast and how they kind of continue to let him down a little bit. We'll see sort of where they did their job and definitely where they did not in the equation of this loss to the Steelers. And we wrap up with the penalties, the referees, the coaching staff, some of the the real frustrating parts of this game and this just the whole situation, this team right now that we're sort of seeing as recurring themes in these in this last few weeks in this now four-game losing streak for your Chicago Bears. But this game for me is all about Justin Fields. That's what the rest of this season is all about. I mean, when your team is sitting kind of at this stage, right, it's not a team that looks like it's really going to be playoff-bound, right? I mean, they're, what, 3-6 and six at this stage? It would take a lot to really turn things around and be a true playoff contending team. And so when you start to put it in that context, what's so much more important is that your franchise quarterback of the future plays like a franchise quarterback of the future. And we've been seeing that so far from Justin Fields. And this this game was yet another step forward and felt like, well, first of all, it was pretty close to like a comeback game-winning drive and that real like pivotal 
NFL establishing moment for Fields. It wasn't quite that in terms of the team outcome, but it felt like it was getting something close to that for Fields as far as really showing the NFL what he is capable of. I really felt like the context and situations of this game were really so critical to understanding how well he played. Like you can look at the box score pretty easily and and, and be impressed that way. I mean, he had, what, 291 passing yards, add another 45 on the ground, a touchdown interception. The passing rating is 89.9. That's not anything to necessarily write home about, but clearly the bigger passing plays were were developing and the offense was finding some of those more explosive plays, but just the way the game situation flowed, you know, he, he gets intercepted relatively early in this game while losing. And it's, you know, a defensive lineman jumping up just to bat the pass and happens to be able to bat it down into their arms. That's not a bad decision by Justin Fields or a bad throw necessarily. It wasn't inaccurate and wasn't a bad decision. It was just a really good play by a defensive player. And there's not a lot that Fields can do in that situation. So it's not something that like you're, you're drastically concerned as some trend continuing about turnovers for your rookie quarterback. It's just, it's kind of, I don't want to call it fluky, but it's just something that, that happens and, and can happen really to any quarterback in the NFL. But, you know, Bears go down 14 nothing after that. And there's no panic from Fields. There's not even, not that we expected him to ever panic, but we have seen him in other games maybe press a little bit more to kind of feel like, okay, we're losing or I made a mistake or whatever, and I need to make up for it. I need to make a big play. I need to be the hero. I need to find the explosive plays. And it didn't feel like, he was trying too hard for too much in order, you know, and, and having a, a negative result as a result of trying too hard and pressing too much in some of those moments. Like he stayed calm and was able to kind of keep with the system and the flow of the game for there, overcoming so many more things along the way, in addition to a, a two touchdown deficit multiple times in the game, but you know, some sacks and you know, some occasional struggles on the offensive line, plenty of penalties that we'll get into a little bit later in the game, and just things that were not his fault completely that were holding him back. You know, he had the touchdown taken off the board with the quote-unquote penalty on James Daniels that we can talk about in a little bit, but still drives at the end of the first half, gets a field goal entering halftime to at least get something on the board, and then his first drive out of the second half in the third quarter there, another field goal, right? I mean, those those moments you want them to finish in touchdowns, and that's where you can point to and say, hey, here's where we, we want to see growth, and here's where fields can continue to get better and, and how you can string some of those drives to finish in the end zone. But th- those responses still mattered. And even, even though they're field goals, it does still get it back into a one-possession game and kind of kept things alive. Even, the, even when then the Steelers then add another touchdown and make it two-point games, that second half in particular is really where things started to click. It's where the downfield passing seemed to open up a bit more than we had seen in the first half. And I'm curious to be able to go back to the film a little later this week and try and figure out specifically what it was in the second half, whether it was adjustments or the Steelers doing something differently defensively or Fields just getting into a rhythm and getting more comfortable as to why those plays open up because he had four passes of 25-plus yards in this game, and they were all in the second half. And I, I think he had seven total passes of 20-plus yards. So, like, he was – or 15-plus yards. So, I mean, he was finding more and more of those plays downfield that open up this offense, and really that's where he's going to shine for the Chicago Bears. And then, of course, it all sort of comes together in the end when Steelers are up six. Fields has three minutes to go. Steelers know you're passing. They know you need a touchdown. They know you're not going to run the ball. They know there's not time on the clock. You know, there's no surprise what's coming, and it's just on Justin Fields 
to get it done. It's all on the quarterback to be the difference maker there. And he absolutely delivered with a beautiful touchdown drive, back-to-back throws to Allen Robinson to, for the huge gain and the touchdown. I mean, it was just, it, it didn't feel like a rookie quarterback in that moment and after that moment, right? It just, it didn't, it felt like he had ascended above rookie level in, in a way that feels like some kind of turning point where he did absolutely everything in his power in that moment to win. But again, his defense and some of the rest of the team not necessarily there to hold up their end of the bargain. And that remains a, a recurring theme right now with the Bears and Justin Fields. We'll take a closer look at that supporting cast in particular and what we saw from the running game, the offensive line, the defense, and more next on Locked On Bears. My best supporting cast every day is my favorite built, my favorite protein bar, the world's best tasting protein bars. Built bars really are a, a daily part of my diet. I have to limit myself to just eating one per day because they taste so good. They don't taste like regular protein bars, you know, with kind of that chalky or just hard to chew type. You know, it's just not like it's it's fake, right? It just doesn't taste as good as it's trying to sell you. But built bars taste legitimately like candy bars. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. And they're really such like a great dessert alternative for me where I can, ha I can have one after a meal and I'm not getting all sugared up or loaded with a bunch of extra calories that I don't need. Every built Bar is low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. It is the perfect combination of sweet, delicious taste and great nutrient macros as well to help you fit any of your health and wellness or fitness goals. I'm telling you, you got to try them for yourself. There's a bunch of delicious, delicious flavors, and they've been unveiling a bunch of them all throughout the month. Head on over to Built.com and enter our promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Hey, guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes – it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. The Bears have been staking their offensive identity on the running game in recent weeks and having a lot of success doing so, but it really did feel like they got away from it a little bit in this game, and I guess given how well Justin Fields still played, I, I don't know, With especially I want to go back and see the All-22, but I, I don't know how, how big of a problem it was in, in the sense that like Fields is proving himself to be good enough to overcome it without it, and I think that's what I come down to is like, I want the Bears, especially in a game like this, given how little they actually ran the ball in this game, I want them to run the ball more 
to make it easier on fields. Like, it shouldn't have to be so hard. It shouldn't require elite quarterbacking. It's great to have a quarterback that is showing to be capable of doing that in critical clutch moments in big games, in prime time with the lights on, and all the great things we can rave about what Justin Fields did. But if you're building an offense, you don't want to have to rely on your quarterback for all that. And when I look at this running game with David Montgomery back and Khalil Herbert running so well before, the first half the Bears handed it off 12 times. Sure, maybe a little on the light side, but whatever. Second half, five handoffs to running backs. Fields had a few scrambles in there. You know, they did the handoff to Darnell Mooney that went for a touchdown, right? There's some other aspects of the running game in there. And I, I include, when I say handoffs to running backs, I mean carries to running backs because there was the, the whole David Montgomery Wildcat offense, and I count those in, in, this, in these totals. It's just Montgomery and Herbert carries combined. First half, 12. Second half, 5. And it wasn't as though your deficit in the second half was so much greater where you needed to abandon the run, but I do think a big element of that was the fumbled kickoff by Grant really kind of then limiting the number of plays the Bears had in the fourth quarter in particular because it just kind of extended the the time of possession there for the Steelers. And then really by the time the Bears touch the ball again, it's the end of the game and you need to pass to go down and score. And Justin Fields absolutely did that. But it, it just, just seemed like the Bears seemed to figure out this was supposed to be their offensive identity and got away from it a little bit more. Is that the reason they lost? No, I think the offense did enough to win this game. And so that's why I'm hesitant to like, I'm not trying to rail on this particularly. And, and certainly you don't want to take the ball out of Justin Fields' hands down the stretch, but David Montgomery was averaging 4.8 yards per carry and had a couple of those kind of breakthrough runs into the second and third level. So yeah, I mean, ideally give me more. And you know, I'd like to also see more of Khalil Herbert. His role pretty well vanished. That was pretty quick. We expected Montgomery to be the lead guy, but but Herbert definitely kind of kind of took over that one, or excuse me, Montgomery definitely kind of took over that one, and Herbert really disappeared a lot more than, a lot more quickly than I thought he would. I wondered if Montgomery maybe would have a, a slightly reduced workload in his first game back, but they went kind of all in on Montgomery playing a lot of snaps, including a handful of those wild card, wild cat quarterback snaps that have felt sometimes in the past frustrating and like almost like disruptive to the Bears offensive flow, but they worked pretty darn well in this game. I think they had a couple of different runs of, you know, 10 or more yards, including the touchdown by Darnell Mooney. So like you got to give Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor credit there that it worked, right? As much as it might feel gimmicky or trying too hard or too cute or whatever, in the moments where the Bears deployed it, it worked. That doesn't mean I want to see it on fourth and one or third and short, you know, in critical type down and distances where sometimes it's just like the implementation of this package is weird. But again, it's kind of working. And so you got to give Matt Nagy credit a little bit there where credit was due. I thought from a wide receiver standpoint in terms of the supporting cast and even like schematically on the back end for receivers getting open, it was a little bit hit and miss for me. It seemed like there were, there were a lot of plays where you know, Fields had a quick second in the pocket and no one was getting open and he had to scramble again when they show some of those replays of the All-22. From the limited snaps that we saw of that, just didn't seem like guys were fully getting open. You know, it's like the Bears would go to that play action max protect where they'll keep a couple of tight ends or a couple of running backs in the block and there's two receivers running routes downfield and neither one's open. And Fields has no hot route to throw to, so he just has to scramble and try and create something. And that's where some of the sacks come from and that's where some of the scrambles come from. But I just... I mean, it's still a work in progress, I think, in terms of truly making it easier for for Fields 
on the back end. Because instead, it felt like, you know, sometimes guys were getting open, and sometimes guys were running into space. Like, you know, Cole Komet had a career-high 87 yards, but it was either like he was running to where no one was in his own coverage, which seemed to be what the Steelers were going with quite a bit, or it was like contested catches. And I felt like Fields was hitting a lot of those, like, NFL windows where guys are open, but they're not, like, wide open. They're just just open enough where it takes a quality pass from an NFL quarterback to hit them, and Fields was absolutely hitting them. And then Komet definitely benefited from quite a few of those over the middle, and it was a career-high, I think, 87 yards for Komet. Good to see him getting more involved. I still don't think he's playing, like, a you know a true difference maker at the spot, but catching some more balls that he's supposed to be catching and just being that big, more reliable target over the middle is definitely good progress for some of the future of this offense. Defensively, it was good to see them switch to holding the Steelers to some field goals in the second half. You know, there was a few of those drives early on where it felt like a little bit of a shellacking, especially that first drive where then, you know, Najee Harris runs in for the 10-yard touchdown or whatever and just felt a little bit too easy a couple of those times. But, you know, third, fourth quarter, defense stepped up and made it a little bit more difficult. And that seems like that's the inverse of a lot of what we've seen from the Bears defense this season where, like, early on they're strong, and then by the third and fourth quarter they fall apart. So, uh, you know, I do like that they were able to put, you know, kind of dig their heels in a little bit and step in down the stretch because they certainly didn't let Najee Harris run all over them. That's one of the things we talked about in in the game plan podcast on Friday, or excuse me, Monday, yesterday, getting ready with the, the day one more. Later I had to kind of adjust the normal schedule on that but he averaged 2.8 yards per carry. Right? He ran hard. He, he ran well, but the offensive line for him wasn't always creating a lot of room for him. So, like, that wasn't what kept this Steelers offense going as much as they did want to run the ball. But you know, Big Ben would find a little time and find some receivers, really some of those, like, chunk intermediate plays. The Bears did a good job sacking him four times. And, you know, when the pressure is able to get there, he's not really a guy that's going to escape it. But it, it kind of felt like, a little bit of all or nothing when it came to pressure on Big Ben. He extended things a couple of times, and that read option keeper that they had, they ran for him down the stretch, was hilarious to see that old and that slow of a Big Ben trying to get to the edge and kind of lunging forward there. But I, I, we kind of knew that that's what the Steelers would want to do is run the ball and find some of those chunks. And it, it ended up being more that, like, 10 to 15-yard game as opposed to the 20 to 25-yard. But it was enough, of course, for them to put some more points on the board. And the Bears' defense then falling short at the end where they really, really needed to. And then there's quickly, you know, the special teams. Jakeem Grant fumbling, obviously really bad. DeAndre Houston Carson recovering the fumble for a touchdown completely changed the game at that point and brought the Bears back in it, left Justin Fields with that opportunity to drive down and take a lead, which he absolutely did. And, and you know, that was such a, a critical turning point here. And it, it, it continued a wild streak of the Bears consistently scoring defense or special teams touchdowns against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But then you, know, you can you could argue, well, that James Daniels penalty would have changed the game too if they had had that touchdown on sort of the phantom call there on the, the chop block type thing from James Daniels. So, I mean, you know, does the, the special teams touchdown doesn't exist in a vacuum from the penalty that called back the earlier touchdown, but still the Bears needed something from their special teams or some kind of turnover score like that and the guy stepped up and I'll give the special the special teams credit there and I'll give the supporting cast some credit there here and there where they were able to help fields in some ways it just overall wasn't enough in large part from some of the ways that they shot themselves in the foot and, and we'll get into some of those penalties and how much blame we put on the referees and the coaching staff and and all those things that really get you frustrated next on Locked On Bears. 
Hey, Bears fans, listen up. There's an incredible app for anyone who buys gasoline that you need to know about. It's called Get Upside. Lockdown Bears listeners are making up to 25 cents per gallon cash back every time you fill up your tank. You just download the Get Upside app in the App Store and Google Play and money goes right into your account. There's no catch. It's pretty easy to use. It's just, it's direct to your GetUpside account. And then you can connect your bank account if you want the debt direct deposit. If you feel more comfortable going through PayPal or even cashing out to e-gift cards to websites like Amazon and other online shopping platforms, it doesn't matter how you want to do it. GetUpside is there for you. Some people who drive a lot make as much as two to $300 a month in cash back and there's no catch. So download the Get upside app today google play or android or, or the app store on, on iphones and enter in our promo code touchdown and you're going to receive an extra bonus an extra 25 cents per gallon cash back on top of the cash back you're already going to get every time you fill up so that's going to give you up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on that first fill up you just download the app get upside and enter our promo code touchdown is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Obviously, the Bears could have used another touchdown. The penalties taking away a touchdown here. And it would be easy. It would be so easy for me. And you're going to hear this, I'm sure, if you if you follow other Bears media people or listen to other Bears podcasts. First of all, thank you for listening to Lockdown Bears and making us our, your first listen every day. But if you you know if you're around on Twitter, or whatever. Everybody else is going to be railing on the refs. Of course, there were bad calls from the refs. Absolutely bad penalties in this game. There were bad no calls, some hits on Justin Fields that should have been penalized. Things that really didn't feel balanced and and fair or quality in terms of referees. To the point where even like Pittsburgh Steelers media members, former Pittsburgh Steelers players were going on Twitter and saying, yeah, this one feels kind of dirty. Like the refs are, like, what are the refs doing? They're, They're giving... They seem to be favoring the Steelers over the Bears, like they were admitting it. Yes, those things those things are true, and that's a pretty clear sign. But, I mean, I don't know. It's just that's, that's such a low-hanging fruit thing to just blame the referees because I always feel like good teams overcome referees and bad or mediocre teams blame referees. And absolutely, in a game as close as this, one bad call can be the difference. I mean, you know, when you when you lose by just a, a, as close as the Bears did, and it comes down to 65-yard field goal attempt, which I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on here in just a moment. But, I mean, like, yes, it, two points can be swung by one single bad referee call. But, again, it doesn't seem like teams like the Buccaneers, you know, the, the Packers and formerly the Chiefs, maybe not this year's Chiefs, but, like, when you're a really actually a good team, even the referees calling bad calls against you is not enough to stop you. And I, I just feel like, you know, if the Bears' defense plays better, the referees don't cause them to lose this game, right? Or if 
you know, if the offense is a little bit better, or if Jakeem Grant doesn't fumble that kickoff, right? I mean, it, it, you can kind of go through and find a bunch of other moments and other mistakes that were legitimately the Bears' fault and not the referee's fault and say, well, if any of those had gone different, the Bears might have won the game too. So it's not purely that, oh, the referees were the sole reason the Chicago Bears lost the game. And so, yes, I, I think it was bad refereeing, and I think it makes the product terrible for television, and it's off-putting for the fans, and it's a problem that the NFL needs to address, and absolutely. But just, I could just to just sit here and complain about referees is not, I don't think, insightful or very, maybe it could be entertaining if you go on a, a Christopher Mad Dog Russo-level rant about the referees. It could be entertainment, but we try and go a little bit deeper. Like, complaining about the referees is surface-level Bears analysis. And this is not a shot at any other Bears media member or podcast or whatever in particular because I haven't listened to any of them at this point by the time I'm recording this. I'm just sort of anticipating that other people are just going to go off about the referees and I, I'm going to acknowledge that they're bad and, and realize that football is more complex than just blaming referees. Like you can, And you can also say, too, that it's bad refereeing without it being a vendetta against the Bears or some kind of conspiracy of the league trying to hold back the Bears or punishing the Bears or something or whatever. I, I just also feel like enough of the penalties were also legitimate. You know, like when a false start's a false start or 12 men on the field is, is indisputable what you can see when there is or is not 12 men on the field. And so much of that comes back to, like, reflecting on your coaching staff and the the team and the discipline, right? And, I mean, there is there is still bad coaching holding this team back. And you know, I, I think we're, we're sort of seeing it every week with Justin Fields that, like, members of the media of opposing teams, I've seen, I saw it with Steelers guys, I saw it with 49ers guys, I saw it with Buccaneers guys, all these games. I see reporters that are, that are sit or analysts, too, that are saying, Boy, Fields is getting held back by this coaching staff and this offense and this team, right? Like, like when they can see it unprompted and they're like, "Wow, can't wait to see Justin Fields freed later." When they're not, you know, they're not being asked about it. They don't have a rooting interest in this. It's not them being biased in any way. They're just they're just observing what they're seeing on the TV screen, and they're seeing Fields being held back. Right? It becomes a, a chorus at some point that's hard to ignore. It's not just Bears fans who might have specific feelings about Nagy or be biased in one way or the other, but. There, there's something here when other teams are certainly seeing it in addition to some of the other coaching things, right? Like, like I didn't love settling for field goals in the red zone the first two times, but I also feel like penalties kind of led to both. And so like, I'm okay with that, right? I don't know that I wanted to go for it on fourth and 12 or fourth and goal from the 12. So, you know, I, I'm okay with the field goals in there, but the penalties fall back in coaching again, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's like a lot of that to me, like teams that are really well coached don't tend to be super highly penalized. And the Bears have had, penalty issues multiple times this season and multiple times throughout Matt Nagy's career. And it just, it tends to be a reflection of the head coach, especially like when you see Angelo Blackson, I believe it was, gotten a little shoving match and he didn't punch a guy in the helmet the same way we saw Bilal Nichols do it. And before that, Javon Wims and before that, Anthony Miller, but he kind of gave like a slap and a swipe at the helmet. It's like, it's such a dumb, unnecessary roughness penalty. And how many times are we going to see it, right? Obviously, every time the coaches are telling these players, hey, don't do that, that's stupid. But it's, it's that discipline thing that just doesn't seem to be fully instilled in the players. And it, it, given how it's been a pattern across multiple seasons, you can't just be like, oh, well, that's one bad apple. It's been like four to five times that this stuff keeps happening with the team. And it just doesn't feel like the message is really being hammered home or maybe it's not being it's not registering. It's not sticking with the players. They're not buying in as much to a lot of that stuff. So, like, 
overall, you, you know, despite some of the coaching stuff, the offense is still working largely thanks to Justin Fields. Still wish it could be easier for him if they were to better support him. The defense, you know, missing Eddie Jackson, missing Khalil Mack, all things considered, without those two guys, wasn't terrible. It was not good enough to win, but... You know, the, I'm, so like I'm, I'm struggling with how much you rail on Sean Desai when you're missing two Pro Bowl or previously Pro Bowl players, even if Jackson hadn't been playing at that heavy of a level. Eddie Jackson is still better than Jalen Tease Tabor at free safety, right? I mean, he is still better in coverage in a lot of ways, even though you're frustrated about the missed tackles and a lot of the mistakes that we've seen this week. So it's like the defense was better than the last couple of weeks, but not good enough for the win, in part because of those injuries, in part because of just a lack of talent, and maybe some part... In, in part for coaching. And so I'm left feeling like this was the second straight week of like a sort of ideal outcome for a large group of Bears fans that want Matt Nagy fired. And so for that outcome, you have to lose games for your head coach to be fired, but you still want to see Justin Fields play well. You don't want to root for a loss specifically. Some Bears fans are, but most Bears fans aren't rooting for them to lose. But the ideal outcome is... Fields plays well and the team still loses to lead in Matt Nagy getting fired and back-to-back weeks of Field playing even better this week and giving you an even an, an even more exciting game down at the stretch. And that's that's something that can leave you feeling better about the future in spite of sitting at three and six and, and losing four games in a row and feeling like this team is is really definitely on the downswing away from the potential playoff push. So hopefully that sits with you and you can carry that through the rest of this week. We'll certainly break this game down in even more depth moving forward, go through some of the tape. And before you know it, well, we got a bye week ahead of us too. So we'll have a lot of time to kind of reflect on this season as a whole. So make sure then that you subscribe to the Lockdown Bears podcast to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Again, thank you for making Lockdown Bears your first listen each and every day. It's a, it really it can be a, a nice way to catch up on your Bears every single day. Not too many other people are bringing you this regular of Bears talk, and so I hope you're, you're checking out and you're coming back and you're making us your priority listen each and every day. When you're looking for your second listen, don't forget we have national NFL shows, Lockdown NFL and Peacock and Williamson, breaking down the league from all angles. Lockdown NFL Draft, you want to start looking ahead a little bit more there. Plus, all your other Chicago sports podcasts, Lockdown Bulls, Lockdown Blackhawks, Lockdown Cubs, Lockdown White Sox, and so much more. So appreciate you for tuning in. Come back for even more breaking down this Pittsburgh Steelers games. But even in a loss, I hope that Justin Fields' performance in this one can give you even more reason to bear down. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.